Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your Ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks. Doing things differently is always a challenge because there's that old saying of, if it ain't broke, why fix it? However, Dave Dodge, producer and manufacturer of custom carbon fiber ski boots, thinks otherwise. I think this is a really interesting chat from someone that has a great amount of knowledge in tinkering and doing things differently. In this episode of the Big Picture Skiing podcast, you'll hear Dave's story behind the beginnings of Dodge Ski Boots. You'll hear about a World Cup athlete that dropped considerable ranking points by switching to Dave's custom ski boot. You'll hear what the feelings and differences are when you ski in a carbon fiber ski boot versus a plastic ski boot, and this is quite fascinating to hear. Dave also talks about the reasons why big brands wouldn't adopt a carbon fiber ski boot. Dave also goes into alignment of the lower leg and how he adjusts and customizes the boot and then teaches the customer how to adjust their own boots to get that ideal fit and performance. There's an interesting part where he talks about tweaking his boots by a small amount and basically him in the morning feeling like he can't ski, he's very weak, to feeling like superhuman. I really enjoyed this chat with Dave. He's a really interesting guy, and I think you're going to get more out of it other than just carbon fiber ski boots. And on that, if you're interested, go to dodgeskiboots.com to find out more about their process of fitting boots. Now, finally, a plug for Big Picture Skiing, my own site. I put lessons, video tutorials, equipment info, online coaching. It's all there. I'm basically trying to deliver everything that would normally happen on snow through this medium. And coming this winter, new will be an app version for iOS and Android so you can take videos and lessons with you in your pocket onto the mountain. It's all about helping you be able to upgrade your skiing, enjoy it more, and have those breakthrough moments. Let's get into today's Big Picture Skiing podcast episode with Dave from Dodge Ski Boots. Dave, thanks so much for joining us here. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick off the conversation. Carbon fiber ski boots. That's that's what you build. What's the main advantages to going down that road and going against the norm of, of plastic ski boots? Well, one of, the, one of the big things we found out kind of by accident that wasn't really planned in the development was that you get a ski boot where the, where the flex doesn't change with temperature. 
the, the stiffness of the of the composite material is is, is dictated by the uh, fibers, which are inorganic and unaffected by temperature. Um, theoretically, it's something like one or two percent from room temperature to minus twenty. Whereas a typical poly polyether TPU, which is the which is the the better of the two types of polyurethane, is uh, the stiffness changes five hundred percent from uh, from room room temperature to minus twenty. Wow! <laughs> so it's a big big difference, and it's 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 something everybody appreciates. You know, you, you you've been out. Everybody's been out skiing on a you know, a 40 degree spring day and the, the, the big, huge moguls and, and, you're, and you're just getting thrown all over the place because you, you don't have any, any support. And on those, uh, you know, 10 below zero days, um, you, get, you get back to your car and you can't get your boots off because <laughs> they're so stiff. So, yeah. So the yeah the carbon fiber is 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 it's it's more consistent. Yeah. So then, then there are the obvious yeah. advantages like weight. Um, we've got a material that has a order orders of magnitude higher stiffness to weight ratio, so we can uh, make the boot and use a, with with a lot less material. The other thing you you might not consider is that when we can make the carbon fiber perform very much like the um, TPU injected plastic by making it thinner. If we make it thin enough, we can get the same flexural properties as, as TPU, but in tension and compression, it's orders of magnitude stiffer. And the lateral stiffness of the boot is dominated by the, the tensile and compression properties of the material and how it fits your foot is dominated by the by the uh, flexural properties, and and in a front front in a in a front entry overlap boot, the flexural properties are the way the boot flexes when you're skiing, is 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 somewhat dominated by the uh, by the flexural properties of the material. So what you end up with when you when you when you adjust the thickness of the boot to have the right flexural right feel in, in skiing flex you get a boot that wraps better on your foot and has vastly superior lateral edging uh, stiffness. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm going to jump in here. Say I came in tomorrow to get my, my Dodge ski boots fitted. Is the, 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 in, is the entire boot basically uh, developed to wrap like 3D? Of my foot it's not just like the 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 width different like how is how is it conformed to make this really snug fit and then take advantage of those properties once you've got the the boot shaped around your foot lower leg um well we developed our own last which is started out kind of similar to a to a lang last and uh then when we when we fit the boot to you, we customize the shape. We can we can punch the boot and shape it, and we try to achieve uh, uh, a shell shape that's close to your foot shape, so that the pressure is is uh, is the way it's even. Even not not necessarily even. You don't really want even pressure everywhere, but 
the, the way it should be, the way we believe it should be. Um, it doesn't really wrap any better than a polyurethane boot at room temperatures, but at colder temperatures, it, I'm pretty sure it does wrap better. Okay. Because okay, it doesn't cool. sit down. Yeah. And so once, once the boot is uh, created, can you modify it further if, uh, for, for sore spots? Oh, yeah. We, we, we modify 100% of the boots that go out of our shop. They're all yeah. customized to the person's foot. Yeah. And is it a different process to, to modify and punch a carbon well, boot? You know, Obviously, you, you, you apply pressure and heat, but the way you do it is different. If you, if you use a typical process that most, most boot fitters use with a Scott press, which applies a lot of force, and then you heat it up with a hot, hot air gun, you're going to destroy our boot because um, if you heat it in an area where there's no pressure, it'll tend to delaminate. Okay. And so you want to only apply the heat exactly where the pressure is. So we, we came up with a, with a system like, um, um, called, it's a heated ball. The ball that goes inside has a heating element inside the ball. Yep. Conducts the heat at the contact point with that ball rather than yep. allowing the heat to spread out over a larger area. Great. Okay. So winding back, what, how did this, how did Dodge Ski Boots start? <laughs> uh, it's, it, that's a pretty good story. Um, back in the, uh, when was it? Early 2000s, probably 2000. No, it was earlier than that. I think it was actually back in, the, you know, 1988, 1998, 1999 era. Um, Roberto Cristoforetti, I don't know if you know who he is. He's, he was the Rossignol Racing racing Rossignol Lang racing department chief and he built some carbon fiber boots had a helicopter company make them out of thermoset carbon fiber you know hand laid up they cost about ten thousand dollars to make hmm. and he put them on a couple of world cup athletes feet and they loved them but they'd only last for one day before they fell apart <laughs> So I, I had, a, at the time, had a business called Composite Developments, and I, I did product design for composite things, mostly, mostly skis, tennis rackets, snowboard bindings, stuff like that. And they came to me because I'd, I'd worked for them previously. I wasn't working for them at the time, but I'd worked for them previously. And they came to me and said, hey, Dave, you know, we want to try to make these boots practical so we can... Uh, supply uh, our World Cup racers with these boots because they say they're a second faster. And uh, so I started, so we started working on it and that was right when Rossignol got sold by uh, Quicksilver, got sold to Quicksilver. And Quicksilver didn't want to put any money into the development, so we had no money. And Laurent Boisvive, who was the founder of Rossignol said, well, I'll fund it for a little while. So we got started and then he, finally he said, no, I can't do it anymore. So it just never went anywhere. We built a couple of prototypes and uh, out of thermoplastic composites, but it was, we needed a way to reduce it to practice and there's all kinds of other problems we had to solve. And I told them that I would, uh, I would uh, work on it on my own. 
And when I came, when I when I found all the solutions, solved all the problems, I'd come back to them, and and so I did. And this mm -hmm. was about six years, five or six years later, and they say we still don't have any money. <laughs> so I said, okay, <laughs> you know my my non I had a three year non compete. It's been five or six years. I'm I'm going to do this on my own, and uh, off we went. At at the time, that was right when uh, we started this. Right when the the 2008-2009 uh, economy kind of went to hell. Mm -hmm. All the product development money in the world just, just vanished. So my composites developments business was uh, had no clients <laughs> and no prospect for clients. So it's I a said, good time to start afresh. Time to start something new. And I had some patents that paid paid enough, gave me enough income that I could live without an income for three years. So, And I had a friend who had just moved up to uh, Vermont from Connecticut who had worked for a Fortune 500 company and was sick of sick of the rat race. And he had enough money to live for a few years without any income. So he said, hey, let's let's do something fun. We don't have to make any money. We're just going to do something fun. We'll make carbon fiber ski boots. So we did that and grew from there. And and do you still have like, do you ever ski in some of the first iterations? Yeah, I, I skied in the first first one. Or some of the some of the ones that Rossignol built, and I built. I also uh, skied on uh, on uh, some of my own. Some of the well, all of the first ones I made. I made a. I think it was a right boot. In uh, 2009, and I went up to Stowe. It was during the UVM Winter Carnival, so there was a lot of a lot of races around, and I had one one of these one one one. Uh, prototype boot on one foot that I'd made in, the, made in my basement. And I was skiing around with it. A lot of people asked questions, thought it looked pretty cool. And, and, and it skied, it definitely felt different in a good way. So I said, I think we have something here. So I built, um, I built a, another boot, a left boot. So I had a pair and I went to uh, the Cochrane ski area. They have a thank God for snowmaking race in March. And uh, because of the Cochrane family in, in the, uh, the Noram's, Noram uh, race schedule happened to coincide, you ended up with pretty much all the Noram racers racing there for this, this kind of fun, fun, fun race at Cochrane Ski Area. And I was standing at the top of the rope toe talking to Marilyn Cochrane. And Warner Nickerson skis up. He looks at the boots and says, what are those? So I give him a little spiel and he says, let me see you make some turns on them. So he follows me down, says, we get to the bottom. He says, I want to try them. So we're standing at the bottom of the T-bar and uh, I take my boots off and he gives me his and we're about the same size. So he gets his boots on, takes off up the lift and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. He doesn't come, he doesn't come. And I said, I'm gonna have to go up and find out what's going on here. So I tried to put his boots on. There's no way I could get them on. And uh, so I'm standing there in my stocking feet in the snow and all of a sudden he comes down the down the hill, he's in the race course. <laughs> he raced on him <laughs> and, and, and did pretty well. That's cool. Yeah, wow. So um back to a question that got me. You you skied in a in a in a dodge boot and then a regular boot. Can you try and describe, and it doesn't have to be technical or whatever, like how would you quantify the feeling? Like if I did that, you'd go, oh, I'm probably going to guess Tom would say these things. Okay. 
Um, probably the first two things I noticed, the well, the first one was that the dynamics felt different. In the way I described it to myself, it's uh, um, when you make something stiffer, it want, it, the, the frequency that it wants to respond at or vibrate at, it, as you make it stiffer, the frequency goes up and the amplitude goes down. Mm -hmm. And when you make something lighter, the frequency wants to go up and the amplitude wants to go down. Think of a tennis racket. You make a ten tennis racket stiffer, it's going to vibrate at a higher frequency at a lower amplitude. And as you make it stiffer and lighter, that gets that gets to be more and more the case. So when you put the so when, when I noticed on really hard aggressive snow, when you put the boot on edge, there's no and then turn. It's instant, and you don't feel any chatter. Mm -hmm. No chatter because it's you've moved the frequency of the chatter up so high that you can't feel it and the amplitude's so low that the liner absorbs it all. Yeah, wow. That's very cool. Yeah, I, I get that. So because I, would it be similar to going like the step when you go from say like a 130 advanced gears boot into a proper like 150 race plug boot and plug, you go, oh, yeah. yeah, and you go, oh, similar, usually on yeah. this hard snow. Yeah, okay. similar sort of to that. Similar, that. A step beyond that. Yeah, wow. And did Warner Nickerson sort of, say the same thing well um he skied on him a little bit that spring and then you know when the world cup started up the next season he went back to his head head boots because you know didn't want to you know ruin the deal didn't want to take yeah the yeah and so about halfway through the season he was training out at sun valley on some really steep trails and kind of soft snow and he was booting out all the time and he had the had the Dodge boost saying, he said, these are a lot narrower because the wall thickness is only one millimeter thick on each side. So maybe I won't boot out. And he put them on and voila, he Didn't. wasn't booting out and they were skiing pretty well. And he decided, oh, well, you know, I, I don't have any more World Cup races. You know, I'm, I'm not, he, at the time he was ranked 60th in the world and he'd occasionally get into a World Cup race. So he had some Norium races coming up. And so he decided to use them in those. And he did, he had a race, I think at Burke, where he did pretty well. But he came to us and said, I think the boots could be a little stiffer. You know, they're, they're a little too soft. So we made, overnight, we made him a stiffer pair of boots. And he went to a race at Waterville Valley. And my brother called me up after the first run and said, holy shit, um, Warner just won the first run by two and a half seconds. <laughs> And everybody wanted to know what those boots were. <laughs> and in, yeah. in two races, he lowered his world ranking from 60th, roughly 60th in the world to 30th in the world and got an automatic start in every World Cup GS race. Wow. Wow. So did he ever do, did he ever start in those boots in a World Cup race? Oh, yeah. He skied on yeah. them for uh, two or three years. Amazing. He scored his only points on them. Yeah, that's really cool. Because I can imagine, like he, he said, he knew what he needed. Like there was lots of things that were right in the boot, but then he just needed to tweak it to get what he felt out of the boot. Because yeah. yeah, he was cool. used to you know, a, 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 a head plug boot, very stiff. And 
And at that point, I you sort weren't of made, really... made the boot to my taste. What I, what yeah. I which was which I yeah. consider a 150 because I used to ski in a Lang uh, ZI, which is the stiffest shell they made. I have very small feet though. I'm size seven and a half foot and I'm weight 210. Well, okay, right. Yeah, so wow. I, so what's that I, in a, so in a, like a very, Mondo very, point? Um, that would be uh, 25. 24? 24 and a half, 25. Yeah, wow. Okay. Hey, I, I got to ask about skiing moguls in these boots because I love skiing moguls. Yep. Uh, we've talked mostly about kind of carving and race turns. How, how do people find it in, in moguls? Well, it's, uh, everybody asks that question um, because you, you think you're going you to have to flex the boot a lot more in moguls. And you probably do when you're off balance. But if the forward lean is set properly, you can go from full chest on your knees to full extension without flexing the boot and still keep your center of mass in the, in the proper position over the ski. So you really don't have to flex the boot to, 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 to absorb the moguls. You only need the boot uh, to support totally. you when you get thrown off balance. Yeah, to bring you back to that sweet spot, right? Like, yeah. like contain you there, yeah. If the forward lean is not correct, you have to flex the boot to get your center of mass in the right position. And then you're screwed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, every, every time you go to absorb the a bump, it's going to throw you in the back seat. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's def it's, it's like a, so, like a very strict coach. If, if you're trying to work against the boot, it's like, no, 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 no this is where I'm set up to work in this range. So, so I guess that's probably down to the that, initial fit. You make sure that for the person's kind of mobility and range is, is set, right? And we've found that the, that the boot is very, very re uh, receptive to uh, very small changes. Uh, a few years ago, I set up a new pair of boots for myself for the first day of skiing at Stowe and I went up there and I felt really weak. And I'm going like, man, I must have let my conditioning go to hell. I just feel like my skis are trying to kill me. <laughs> and so I, I was a little bummed out. And I'm sitting in the octagon at the top of the mountain going, I'm just going to try moving the cuffs in half a degree. So I had the bushings. I took the bushing out, moved the cuff in one half degree. Felt like Superman after that. Mm -hmm. it was amazing, right? the transformation. I, I think that, that brings up such an important point that I don't think probably... 98% of skiers realizes how how important it is to get that boot customized to your anatomy like you just said you felt weaker and all that was going on is you're working your body against a, a, a tiny leverage point but mm -hmm. but down in that in that boot it's, it's you know levers the length of it and all that sort of stuff and, and the material obviously yeah. it's, it's, it's just makes it you're working harder levers can, I, I, can work for you or against you and i couldn't get into a position where I, where i was strong and have everything be in balance when i was in balance to make make the turn i was in a weak position yeah he wasn't wasn't lined up with the lines of force you know and it just it just felt scary <laughs> so yeah i watched some of the warner nickerson series where he sort of goes through the whole process like of getting boots and and part of that, so, so it's like, okay, we've identified now and you, you say it's really important to get this like dialed in to the person. Mm -hmm. how, how is that process? Uh, like, because it looks like you do some stuff on snow as well as in shop. Uh, we, we sometimes do stuff on snow, um, yeah. but it's fairly rare because 
very people can be all over the very, very yeah oh, yeah yeah well we try to give we try to show our customers how to do it themselves and encourage them to play around with it and it's uh it's we've reduced it to a pretty simple process that's that's pretty understandable um a lot of a lot of boot fitters, you know, will try to get the person's knee over their big toe or or, or something like that. That <laughs> works fine if you've got straight legs and you know. Yeah. But if you don't, it's sometimes or, or not just sometimes, quite often, is the absolute opposite of what you should do. Because totally agree. Forcing yeah. someone yeah. into a position where they have, if they're going to have a flat ski, they're at the end of their range of motion in their knees. There's no way they can finish a turn or start a turn because there, there's no range of motion left in their knees. Yeah. So what we've we we built a a a, 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 a machine with a 3D inclinometer, and so we can measure how the how the how the skis wanted to go when you flex forward and when you went back and when you went side to side, and we 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 learned a lot from it. It was initially very confusing, but we ended up learning a lot from it and deciding that. The way where you where, where you do the least harm anyways is to just stand on a flat level hard floor and for lateral alignment you just rock back and forth slightly like you're edging just slightly and mm -hmm. your edges should change at the same time your boot should go click 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 not click 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 you wanted that you want that edge change to be exactly the same time when the person's relaxed and looking forward and not really thinking about what they're doing. A really good skier will adapt really quickly and make and their boots will go click, 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 click. Yeah. You know, after after just going rocking back and forth a few times. So you have so if you've got a really experienced good skier, that you, you gotta pick that out really quickly. Like they can almost because they're so used to, oh, yeah, I need to yeah yep. you, you almost need to tell yep. them don't do that don't You'll fix adapt. it try and yeah don't um, let them adapt try and get them yeah you got to get them before they adapt mm -hmm. okay and you know and that's, so, that's not a very sorry. it's not super precise but it, it it's 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 a way of doing it where you do no harm really it's always going to get you into the ballpark and that so that part are you just changing the cuffs to get that part right yeah, or do you change the soles uh well we we started out we actually made all our shells that actually have extra material on them so you got to router them when you when you to, to plane the soles and but we found out very shortly that um 99 of the time we can do it with the cuff and i love that I, that's and, what i've yeah, okay sorry it's with with the plastic boot it's not quite the same because the cuff is kind of floppy when the boots not buckled and you got your foot in there, then you buckle it. The cuff goes wherever your foot is, wherever your leg shaft is. So you can change the cuff alignment and it does it. It doesn't really change the way the boot, you know, the boots going to adapt to your foot as you buckle it where our the cuff is so much stiffer when you buckle it, it forces the, the leg shaft to go where the cuff is. There's no, yeah. there's no, there's no give. There's no give. Yeah. Yeah. So we've found that changing the, the cuff alignment is is very, very effective. And we, we can do 
as long as they're within three degrees, we do it all with a cuff. The only time we'd have to do the sole is if somebody's way out like four or five degrees, which is pretty rare. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's I I would agree with that. I used to have to go into canting the soles of my boots. And then when I moved to a boot, the, this Fisher boot that I could really move the cuff, I just didn't need to adjust the sole, uh, sole canting at all. So yeah, I, that's, that's interesting. And the, then the, the thought I always used to have is that we spend all our life walking around with our feet parallel to the ground. And now we're going to go skiing and we, we're going to make our feet not parallel to the ground anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sense. Speaking but with, speaking with some, yeah. When, when I've spoken with some world cup coaches working with athletes at that level, they do the, the canting more as, as a performance thing. So to help like whether it's someone's technique or their style or whatever, just change the hookup point earlier or later. And so it's, it's yeah. not so much to do with, the knee and and yeah, they also and say like don't muck around with like the, this this knee over second toe thing no that's not like a good target that's actually going to th throw different people's body off and um so it's interesting it, you say that too yeah they do it by feel what feels mm. good and, yeah and uh, that's we kind of went through the process with warner because that's what he wanted to do he wanted to until it, you know to increase the ed edge angle or decrease the edge angle until it felt right but yeah, what happens okay. is when, when you're checking that, you're, you're not skiing at 100% effort. So your edge angles are lower, the, the loads are lower, and you yes. see this in the World Cup. When you watch the opening races, opening GS races, especially GS races on the World Cup, you'll see people whose boots are set up too strongly. Their knees are, their knees are out. They're, they're trying to de-edge de the ski while they're, while they're in the middle of the turn, you know, so they're getting themselves into, into dangerous positions. And after a couple of races, it's, it's gone because they, they, they figure it out. But it's because they set up their boots just out free skiing or skiing gates at, you know, 50, 60% effort. And now when they're going 110%, they don't perform the same way. Mm -hmm. Edge angles are so much higher and, the, and the, the turning radius of the ski versus the edge angle is not linear. So as you go to higher and higher edge angles, the turning radius decreases quite yes. quickly. Yes. So suddenly you're going, you know, you're, you're, you're running a GS course with 10 degrees more edge angle. The skis want to turn a lot sharper, but you can't get your center of mass inside enough to resist that load. So you, so you, so you end up kind of dialing your knee out a little bow-legged. And you're in a weak position where you're going to injure yourself or you're, or mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to withstand the loads. And uh, I've seen that, it seems like every year, especially with the women, they, you can see they're over canted in the first couple of mm -hmm. races and the good ones, you know, the next race, they're, they're, they're fixed. If you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills, listen up. I've been working closely with the Carve team for over four years and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature, Active Coaching Mode. And here's the lowdown. Launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns, and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level. From there, every turn is a challenge, adapting on the fly to your skill, terrain, and conditions. No fluff, just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn. It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. 
It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more, and as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself? Yeah, that's a really interesting interesting observation. Hey, so Dave, on, on that topic of kind of setting things up naturally, I know one of, uh, one of my online coaching students, he, he loves his, his dodge boots. And he was sort of talking about even your philosophy on, on the foot area. So like how the side of the foot and, the, and, and then even the footbed, uh, what sort of approach you, you, you think about there. Can you, can you go into that? what your ideal is uh how do, how do you like people's feet to be sort of set up are you like okay put the subtailor joint in neutral and not a, this sort of stuff or what's your philosophy things, but I'll, I'll start off with, with the one thing is um you don't want to completely fix your foot because there's all those joints and nerves serve a purpose you know there's proprioception and load sensing and uh, you want your foot to end shock absorption. You know, your foot's an excellent shock absorber. It's a million years of evolution, millions of years of evolution to be able to absorb, absorb those shocks when you're running away from a lion or something. <laughs> so you want your foot to move in certain ways, but you obviously there's other ways you don't want it to move. So, so our boots, we, we always tell our customers to uh, that, 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 that the bottom buckle, it's, it's a three buckle boot. So the boot that's on your, the buckle that's on your instep should only be buckled tight enough that it stays buckled. It should be very loose. Um, the middle buckle, which is the first, the next one up around your ankle should be tight because that's what, that's what creates the heel hold. And the top one is, uh, whatever feels comfortable. In other words, if you want to really ramp up the, the reaction of the boot, buckle it up tight. And if you want to- um, More play. More play, just leave it loose. You know, it's, it's sort of the tuning buckle. So I, because I had very small feet and had a hard time getting enough support out of my out of my boots when I skied on Lang and other boots. I always had to buckle the boots as tight as I could get them. I mean, when I was racing, the the first thing that go across my my mind when I went across the finish line was unbuckle my boots and then look at the time. <laughs> so, I still find myself. I get to the top of the lift and I go, ah, the boots feel a little loose. I'm gonna go one one notch tighter. So I'll buckle them up one notch tighter. Take five or six turns and go, no, it's not better. Because, <laughs> mm. you know, you, you basically when you, when you, especially when you do the lower buckle up really tight, you turn your foot into a huff. And there's no, all those joints and nerves are just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you, you like to, to help people, like explain that to, to people that get a boot and then set them up so 
so inside they can uh they can have that that feeling like do you do it do you do do, do people bring their own insoles do you do an insole what's the story we, there we, we do an insole just a basic insole um pretty similar to what anybody else would do in our yeah. boots it's a little different because the sidewall of our boot comes down and then there's no boot board it curves and forms the platform you stand on so that yeah so, okay so that that's actually good because you have the let's see if we can continuity that, sidewall of the boot and, yeah. and the platform you're standing on are connected so they yes they together there's no none of this it's this. yeah so that must be a big reason to why you feel more i guess positive reaction straight away because yeah there's there's another element in there that's not two bits it's it's yeah. what so wow that's actually just one one piece piece yeah and right. a lot of people when they first look at it so well, you can't modify the boot board i can't change my my ramp, ramp angle and yeah and frankly, in 10 years, we've never had anybody ask after they ski, ski in the boot, oh, I want a lower ramp angle. And no one's ever Interesting. Said that. I, yeah, okay. I'm kind of surprised That's no one has because all kinds of boot fitters adjust the yeah. for various and, reasons. And I would imagine you probably had people that, that uh, historically do, they kind of go, oh, well, I like to drop my ramp angle or I increase or whatever. Yeah. So, so then the fact. And say, well, what can you do? <laughs> yeah that's interesting isn't it just goes to, show had to say there's nothing you can do <laughs> yeah yeah that's sort of like perhaps yeah. leans towards like it's a symptom of other things as opposed you know or you need to do that because of the design in the first place yeah okay well, interesting going, going back to your your first question one of your first questions anyways um is uh what, what did I feel when I first started skiing on some of the prototypes? And one was that when, when, you, when you set the edge angle, it's kind of a, the feeling is you set it and forget it because with a, with a, um, a soft a boot that's laterally softer, as the load builds up, it deflects. So then you have to compensate for the deflection. And then the load builds up some more and it deflects some more and you got to compensate. So you're always chasing the optimum edge angle. But if you have that lateral stability and you set it right to begin with, it doesn't change with the load. So you're never chasing it. You know, it's, it's kind of a set it and forget it. Yeah, cool. That's very cool. And we've had um, some, 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 uh, some other racers say, say that, that that's the case. I mean, my brother was coaching uh, uh, a skier who switched to our boots and they said that there was one particular course that, that where he noticed it, where it was kind of soft snow, then it went over some, some frozen ice, you know, boilerplate ice halfway through the turn and then back to soft snow. And he said, you could see his track didn't vary as it went from soft snow to boilerplate ice to, to soft snow and just constant arc. And everybody else was, you know, either skidding out or overturning and underturning and you know, you, you can cool. see in the tracks. Yeah. So uh, back to like the like the customer can do their own adjustment, and you give some guidance on on what to go and play with. They can they can change the cuff three degrees in either direction. Yes, either direction. In and out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, okay, great. And then is there also forward lean? And there's a you can change the uh, 
change the forward lean with the same bushings in combination with the lateral alignment. So it's, you know, it's basically plus or minus three degrees laterally and plus or minus three degrees um, forward. And then you can yeah. add a spoiler to get, you know, another 10 degrees or five degrees or whatever. Further forward. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And what's the process to, again, uh, I go in, I go, right, Dave, I, I want these boots. When can I get them? <laughs> How long does it take from start to finish? Well, we've, it's evolved over the years, but now what we do is we say, download the app, follow the instructions. You take three pictures of each foot in the, in the uh, this, this app is uh, kind of genius because it's very lightweight, it runs well on a phone, but it sends a small set of data to a, uh, to a server that then generates a 3D, 3D model of the foot. And it's amazingly accurate. We had one customer who worked for an aerospace company and he said, I don't believe this could be accurate, just taking three pictures. So he, we sent him the 3D model and he, they, they had a, a, a laser scanner. And, you know, created a gigabyte laser scan file of his foot and then compared the two and he says, I don't believe it. So within a millimeter everywhere. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, so, just with an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, so we tell them to, you know, just do this, follow the instructions. And, you know, yeah. most people get it the first try, but it seems like everybody gets it after three tries. You know, it's easy enough. Um, and then we download the 3D model of the foot, assemble it into a 3D model of the interior of our boot. And you can see exactly where the shape needs to be modified and how much. And we prep the boots. And then when the boots are prepped, we tell them to come in for a final fitting if they're local. If not, we send it to them with instructions on how to do the uh, lateral alignment for, for after alignment. But when they come in, basically nine times out of 10, all we do is adjust, adjust the uh, alignment for after and, and lateral. Yeah, no okay. Further, no further punching or, or, or uh, padding to, to be done. Yeah, you know, one thing we I realize we haven't uh, you haven't talked about is the liner. What's the liner? Do you have a your own liner um, built for have, that? Or we have uh, basically three different liners. We have a high volume liner, a low volume liner, and a kind of a hand lasted typical. You know, what other companies have basically with with some memory foam. We used we used to use a we used to have a um, well actually the the liners we use are made in the same factory that ZipFit liners are made out of so it's kind of the same materials same foams but we and we used to use a cork um, flow pack like like the ZipFit flow pack mm -hmm. but we had some problems with leakage and we found what happens especially with our shell is when the uh, when the flow conforms perfectly to your foot you have kind of a one to one foot one-to-one -one fit around your ankle and because there's no stretch in our shell it starts to feel loose and then you buckle it up a little bit and it's too tight and you loosen a little bit it's too loose it's, 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 okay even if you fiddle around with the micro micro adjustment on the on the buckles you, you never you never seem to be able to get it right so what we did is we eliminated the the cork and we put a, a very thin two two millimeter layer of of a very soft um, uh, foam that pushes back on your foot all the time. And it, it, that increased that tolerance for, for that right kind of snug feel. 
mm -hmm. made, it, made it more tolerant, more tolerant. So you didn't have to fiddle with the buckles all the time. So that's that's our hand lasted upgrade liner is is that. And then we have a thermoformable liner like uh, an EVA, you know, intuition style, intuition style liner. Yeah. That uh, some people like. I like I like that's what I ski on. I like that liner. And my it's business partner says he can't even ski in it. It's so bad. Okay. <laughs> so it's you know it's kind of a personal taste. So we have we have the intuition type liner. We have the uh, a hand lasted thermoformable liner in a high volume and low volume uh, versions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It just goes to show, like, I mean, yeah, things are quite personal, aren't they? Someone could say this is great and fantastic, but someone else doesn't like the feel of it and it's it's right down to the, yep. the the feeling someone likes and is looking for in their yep. in their ski tones okay dave anything uh like what are you looking forward to this ski this ski season were you are you going to be stuck making boots all season or you get to ski a lot no we spend all summer making boots <laughs> we got a we, you know, we made made everything we expected to sell, and then in December we'll probably see some sizes that are getting oversold. We have to do a little mini production run to fill in in a few areas. So in December we might have a little mini production run, but we're we're done making boots, and um, when they're done, they're done, and we tell the customer, "Hey, you missed it. Come back next year." <laughs> yeah. So do you do a lot of skiing? Try to, you know, I'm going to be skiing a lot more uh, weekdays this year because stows under the operation of Vail has become extremely mm -hmm. crowded and almost dangerous. You know, the yeah. trails are just too crowded. Mm. And it's trying to figure out how to avoid that, those, those downfalls basically involved skiing on Tuesdays or something, <laughs> Mondays or Tuesdays. Yeah, 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 I hear that's, you on that one. <clears throat> that's the plan this year is to ski Tuesdays. Yep. Great. Then, we the, Great. Then, we, then we have uh, a ski bum race on Thursdays. And <laughs> so. Cool. And and uh, so if we're sort of wrapping up, is there anything else we didn't cover that, I know at the beginning we were talking about like how even on myself i had this preconceived idea well ski boots have been working you know this way and and you know if other people aren't doing it like all the big brands then why to go to something different and so we tried to cover some of the common misconceptions and questions like okay it's too stiff any ones we we've missed well, i think a lot of people would say well well if this is so good why haven't the major companies done it and when we started, there was a lot of interest from the big companies. Um, they liked the boot, they liked the way it skied. But when it came down to actually doing something, well, one of the companies we met with, one of the uh, um, guys in, in the meeting said, well, if we give this to our World Cup racers and they start winning races on it, We'll never sell another plastic boot again. We've got 300 million euros invested in uh, injection molding machines and injection molds. <laughs> it's a little scary. It's a fair it's point, isn't it? So, yeah, they yeah. are going to do it until they have to. Yeah, 
Yeah, a, a bit like I mean, you also mentioned you bought an electric car recently. Yeah. You, you know, there's a lot of investment in in non-electric cars now. It's starting to switch, but um, you know, back then there was no reason. So why would took uh, Tesla to uh, to convince the major major car manufacturers that they had to they had to adapt to this disruptive change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I bet you're no, enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I know when I got to drive one, it's it's pretty enjoyable how instant oh, yeah. <laughs> your your pickup is. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Dave, it's been it's been great chatting with you. Really, really interesting, and um, I hope it maybe convinces some people to maybe try you know something different or at least have some understanding of, of mm. what's going on instead of just putting something in in one corner and something else and and not really considering the um you know all the all yeah, the different to, things that go into it you have to want to want to change try something mm. different yeah yeah and so it's you're what, you're there offering part of what held warner nickerson back for a year from switching to our boots is that it, they did they didn't feel the same but I kept telling him, if it doesn't feel, if it feels the same, it is the same. Yeah. The only way it's going to be better is if it feels different. Yeah. Yeah, but so true. So true. Dave, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.